The following shir that I'm about to give is the famous story of the Gemara in Gittin, mostly on Nunvav, starts on the bottom of Nehemud Bey, dealing with the famous story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa as to why the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. There is a custom to learn this Gemara on Tishabav. We're normally not allowed to learn various types of things on Tishabav except the sad things such as the Churban, and therefore it's very appropriate to learn the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa. We're going to begin on the bottom of Nunhei Omid Bey with the two dots, Omar Rabbi Yochanan. Amr of Yochanan. So Yochanan taught us, my what does the Pasuk mean when it tells us a famous Pasuk for Mishlei that says, Ashri Adam Mefachi Tomit, it's very good for a person to always be afraid. However, a person who has a hardened heart, he will end up coming to trouble. So, what does that Pasuk mean? So, it's referring, Rav Yochanan says, Duakansa Uvarkansa Choruv Yerushalayim. It's referring to three stories. The first one is Akamsa and Barkamsa, who ended up destroying Yerushalayim, the Hurban of the second base of Mikdash. It's also referring to Atarnagola, Utarnagolta, Choruv Turmalka, because of a male and female chicken or rooster. So Har HaMelech, Turmalka, was destroyed. And the third aspect is Ashaka de Rispak, because the side of a carriage, so Beitar, Choruv Beitar, Beitar was destroyed. Now, the Tosus Rid and Tosus elsewhere say that these psukim, even though they are written down now, are referring to future events. Sometimes a puzzle that can be written down can actually refer to a past event. So there's a muktam umuchar batorah. So these psukim from Mishlei, which are written by Shlomo HaMelech, are referring to these events. So the first one, of course, is the famous story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa. As I mentioned yesterday, the Marsha says that Kamsa was the father, Bar Kamsa was the son. And that is helpful in understanding this story. So, Akamsu Bar Kamsu Yushlaim. Rashi just mentions that they both were Jewish people, Lavdafka, father and son. Because of the Misa that we're about to learn about, a famous Misa, so Yushlaim was Nebuch destroyed, the base of English was destroyed, the second base of English was destroyed. Because Dao Gabra, there once was a certain person, the Rachme Kamsa, his good friend was Kamsa, Ubal Debabe, but his enemy was Bar Kamsa. Again, the Masha says that this was his son. Now, Abatsudasa, the person who's the uh, protagonist in this story, he made a suda, a wedding feast. And Amalei Lashami said to his Ashamish, go, go and invite my good friend Kamsa, Zayel Aisili Kamsa, who's my good friend. However, Azel Aisili Bar Kamsa, but instead he misheard him, or he, for whatever the reason, invited Bar Kamsa instead. Now, somewhat surprisingly, also Ashkei Dehavi Yosef. Bar Kamsa shows up. Now, the Marsha explains, since he was good friends with his father, the person was good friends with the father, so Bar Kamsa thought that maybe he wants to do tshuva, and he wants to make up with the son as well. So that's why Bar Kamsa showed up. Otherwise, very strange why Bar Kamsa would show up to this wedding, to this party, when he knows he's not good friends with the person who's making the party. In any event, he does show up, and he's found there by the person making the party. Ashko Ashke Davi Yosef. And he sees him sitting over there. And Amalei, so the host, says to Bar Kamsa, what in the world are you doing here? Mirte, how gabra, baal de baba. You are not my friend. You are baal de baba, the how gabra. You are, in fact, my enemy. So, my bayis hocha, what in the world are you doing here? Come, puk, get up, and get out of here. Amalei, Bar Kamsa says to him, hoel vasoi, shavkan, since I've come here, no, let me stay ready. And listen, it won't cost you a penny. Don't embarrass me. Don't make a public spectacle by kicking me out. Let me stay. I'll pay for whatever I eat and drink. You won't be out a penny. And just don't embarrass me. The Ben Yoda asks a very interesting question over here. And he says, 
why is the story known as the story of Kamtsa and Bar Kamtsa? It should be known as the story of this protagonist, the one who's making the party, and Bar Kamtsa, because they're the two main characters here. Kamtsa's not even mentioned in the whole story. Just he was the friend of the guy making the party. So Ben Yehuda says so beautifully. He says that he didn't protest. Kamsa should have protested and said, hey, listen, this is the way you're treating my son? That's not right. You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't do this. And alternatively, he adds that you can see how much a simple word can make a difference. Instead of the word Kamsa, they said Bar Kamsa, and look, by not being careful with your words, a terrible tragedy could occur. In any event, the host says, no, Amalei, no, you can't stay here. We're now in Nunvovam and Aleph. And Amalei, so Bar Kamsa says to him, okay, listen, I'll pay you for half the meal. I'll give you half the cost of this entire meal. Imagine if somebody came up to you and said, listen, can I come to your wedding? I'll pay for half the wedding. So most people would say yes. But there was such hatred over here. There was such sinna, sinna schinam, which of course is the reason why the second base of English was destroyed. So therefore, even though this bar so offered to pay for half the meal, Amalei, lo, the host said, no way. Barakamsa goes one step further. I'll pay for the entire wedding. I'll pay for this entire party that you're making. Just don't embarrass me publicly. Don't kick me out of here. And nevertheless, the hatred was so intense, Amalei lo. So the host said no. And in fact, Nakte, the other, he picked him up with his own hands. For Okme, he stood him up. For Afke, and he threw him out. Now, Barakamsa is very, very embarrassed. Here he is, a public spectacle. He was thrown out of this wedding. Omar, he goes and says, Oh, well, since the Havu Yasser Rabbanah, below Bachabed, there are lots of rabbis at this meal, and none of them stepped up and said, Hey, what are you doing? So it must be that they're happy with the way he was treated. Shema no ko nichaluhu. The rabbis were happy with the way he was treated. Now, in fact, Ben Yehuda says the rabbis didn't know what was going on, and that's why they didn't protest. Or alternately, he suggests that this was exactly the problem. In the second base of English, there was a lot of Hanifa. This host must have been an important guy, and none of the rabbis were willing to stand up to him. And that's another reason why the base of English was destroyed, because of Hanifa, because of this uh, flattering of people that aren't good. Obviously, this host was not a nice person. And therefore, the rabbis, unfortunately, also are playing a role here by not speaking up. In any event, this Bar Kamsa says, I'm going to show them who's really going to be in trouble now. Ezel, I'm going to go, he said, Echol Behu Kurtzer. This is an expression for saying Loshon Hora. Rashi brings down that this is Malshinos. He's going to be Meiser on the Jewish people. Be Malka, to the king, to the Caesar. So Ozel, he goes, and Omelet Lekeser, he goes and tells the Caesar, Mardu Bechai Yudai, the Jews have rebelled against you. Omelet Caesar says, how do you know that? The Yemar, who said so? Omelet, so Bakamsa says, I'll show you that they have rebelled against you. Go and send them a carbon and see if they go and bring it in their base of English. The halach is the going can send carbonus to the base of English and we will accept them. The machlokis as to what types of carbonus, some say only in Ola, some say other carbonus as well. But in any event, go send them a carbon and see if the Jewish people will sacrifice it. If they sacrifice it, so then they're not rebelling against you. But if they say no to you, they're basically dissing you and saying, We're no, no longer going to serve you. And therefore, you'll see. So the Kesar says, yeah, good idea. Ozal, he goes, Shadar day. But he sends this carbon in the hands of Barkansa. He sends Eglotulsa. In a number of places in the Gemara, we have this description of what Eglotulsa is. Some suggest that it's the third born to the mother. That's an especially tasty animal. So the Kesar sent them a very nice animal. Others say it's the third mature. Others give a different answer. So it's just a very nice type of an animal. In any event, he sends this nice carbon. At least he thinks it's a very nice carbon. And there was nothing wrong with it from his point of view. However, Bar Kamsa, as he brings his carbon to Yushalayim from wherever the case was, 
Shada be muma beniv svasai. He goes and makes a mum in the upper lip. Beniv svasai means the upper lip. The ben yoda says that this is a reference to the uh, Lashon Hara that was being spoken over here that caused all this trouble. So that's why it's specifically the lip. That's what the Masha says, rather. Then the other says that it was Badafka, an eagle that was brought, that they brought Ozo Shadide Igla Tilsa, because it's a reference to the Chaita Egel, that there's always a punishment in Chayisor for the Chaita Egel and everything that we do. In any event, others say it wasn't a mum in the upper lip, like Rashi explains over here, that the new society is Sofa Yona. Others say, the Gemara says, he made some sort of a blemish in the eye. This is normally translated as a cataract. This is somewhat problematic, because how do you go make a cataract? So some say that he switched the animal around, and that's how uh, the animal had a cataract in it. It's not that he made a cataract. Others say that this dukin shibayin is something else. It's another type of blemish in the pupil of the eye, and that you can do with your hands. In any event, this now had a mum according to our dinam, but didn't have a mum according to the dinam of the goyim. So, duchta delidan have a mumma. In this situation, this was in a place, duchta is a place that for us, for the Jewish people, is considered a mum. Either this upper lip blemish or the type of cataract or a mum in the eye would be for us a reason that the animal can't be brought because it has a mum. And Ulu did who? However, according to the Gaisha laws, so Ladbamu, they bring animals like this all the time in their uh, sanctuaries or wherever they go and bring Korbanos, they accept such an animal. So now the Jewish people were in a dilemma. Some of the rabbis said, let's go and bring this animal because if we don't, we know what's going to happen. They were 100% right that the case would get very mad and send his legions to attack the Jewish people. So because of Ava, because of the concern that this would lead to hatred, so they said, we have a head to go and bring this carbon. The great Reb Zechariah ben Avkolos, we'll talk about him in a moment, he said he can't do this. Because Yomru, you know what people are going to say? Bali Mum and Craven, you know what? You can't bring a Bal Mum. So we have to show them that you're not allowed to bring a Bal Mum. So therefore, we can't go and do this. No, they said, so let's go kill this Bar Kamsa. This Bar Kamsa is a Moser. He's going to cause terrible problems to the Jewish people. So we have the halachic right to go kill him. You're allowed to go kill somebody that's a Moser who's attacking all the Jewish people. So they said, let's go kill him. And this way, he'll never report back to the case that we didn't bring the animal. And therefore, the lolez of the lema, he won't, he won't be around, we'll kill him, so he won't be able to go back to the caser and tell him that we didn't offer the sacrifice. So again, Rav ben Akulis speaks up, I'm Lord Rav ben Akulis, Yaru, made mum b'kachim yari. The people are going to mistakenly think, oh, this guy Barakamis made a mum in a carbon, and therefore he was killed. So therefore, if you make a mum in a carbon, so therefore, Yechai Misa, which is not the case. So therefore, they were stuck. Now, some suggest that Rav ben Akulis was a Kohen, and he was just pointing out the problems over here, and he said, let's go send this to the Sanhedrin, let's go send this to the Gedolim, and see what the Allah is. Meanwhile, they didn't go and sacrifice the animal, and Bakansa said, during this waiting period of time, see, I told you, they're not going to sacrifice the animals. Others explain that Rav Zechariah ben Avkolos was the God of Lador. He was such a great person, and therefore, he, in fact, should not have spoken up first. He should have, in fact, spoken up last by Dinei, Misa, we know when the Sanhedrin is judging a capital crime, the lightest amongst them, the least important amongst them, speaks up first. So this way, he won't be swayed by what the greatest amongst them says. So if the greatest amongst them says that a guy is either found guilty or not to be found guilty, people are going to be afraid to go and disagree with the God of Adar. So by Dine Mamanos, we let the God speak up first. But by Dine Nefashos, by capital crimes, we always let the least important member, the most junior member of the Sanhedrin, speak up first, so he's not going to be swayed. And this way, we'll make sure that if he, in fact, wants to say the guy is innocent, he won't be swayed by the older people, the greater people, saying he's guilty. 
But Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulus was such a honor, as the Gemara will tell us in a second, he was so humble, he said, I'm the least important over here. And therefore he said, we can't go and bring this car, but we can't go and kill him. And therefore everybody else followed his opinion. And that's what Rabbi Yochanan tells us. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. What I just told you is from the Vilna Go. He said, because he was so, such an honor, I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan tells us, and the Sanuso, the humbleness, the Rashi says, Savlonus, the willingness over here to go and be solved this incident and not go and kill this terrible person, Barakansa, so that caused Hechriva as Beisenu. It caused the destruction of the Beis Hamigdosh, the surface, Hechleinu Nebuch, they burned down the Beis Hamigdosh, and we went off into exile. So this is the famous story of Kamsa and Barakansa. No, how did this cause the destruction? So the more continues, it says, So again, the Gersi here is not exactly uh, straight, the number of different interpretations, but they all say the bottom line is that somehow Barakamsa went and sent this notice that the Jews weren't bringing the carbon to Neron Kesar, according to most, is the Emperor Nero, the Caesar known as Nero. And he sent his troops, or he himself went to go and attack Yerushalayim. Kikasi, as assuming this was Nero himself who went, so Kikasi, when he goes to Yushalayim, he wants to make sure that Akkadish Baruch Hu is going to let him go and conquer Yushalayim. He was actually a mammon in Akkadish Baruch Hu, as we'll see in this story, and therefore, Shadosh Gira le Mizrach, he sent an arrow towards the east of Yushalayim to see where it would land, and also north of Yushalayim. And instead of going to the east of Yushalayim, it went right onto Yushalayim. As it was a simon for Shemayim, go and attack Yushalayim, you're going to be successful. He then sent an arrow to Marav of Yerushalayim, to the west of Yerushalayim, and again, also north of Yerushalayim. And he continued to do this. He sent it to the south, he sent it to the north, the Abba Ruchos of Shemayim, also north of Yerushalayim. And each time he, he sent it in that direction, he sent it as well uh, in, in all the four directions of the world, and each time it went towards Yerushalayim. So either he didn't send it directly towards Yerushalayim, he wasn't due north, south, east, or west of Yerushalayim, or some suggested he sent one directly towards Yerushalayim, and he tested Hashem, so to say, he said, if you don't want me to attack Yerushalayim, deflect the arrow. Don't let it go. But the arrow went straight to Yerushalayim. Others say that it was far enough away from Yerushalayim that the arrow couldn't reach Yerushalayim, and nevertheless, the coach remains, and the arrow actually reached Yerushalayim. In any event, he sees over here that it seems like a coach Baruch wants them to go and attack Yerushalayim and wipe out Yerushalayim. He's still not convinced. This is a very tried and trusted, uh, uh, common way of trying to figure out what a Baruch wants. You ask a young child to go tell you what he's learning, and it's a, a little bit of a nevu in the young child, and what he's learning, what his pasuk is, can sometimes be used to divine what HaKadosh Baruch wants. So that's what he did. This Nero Kesa told the young kid, no, what are you learning? So the little boy told him, Amale, I'm learning over here a pasuk from Yecheskel, which says, I'm going to take out my vengeance against Edom because of what they did to the Jewish people. In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to ultimately punish Edom for destroying the Beis HaMikdosh. Edom is Rome. And this child's pasuk from Yecheskel is meant to basically give a message that, yes, you may be able to conquer Yerushalayim right now, However, you'll ultimately have to be paid back for this terrible thing that you're doing. Now, Omar, so Nero Kesa says to himself, Listen, you, HaKadosh have decided you want the base of English to be destroyed. You want Yushalayim to be destroyed, and you want to exile the Jewish people to Rome. No, you want me, however, to be the one that will basically wipe your hands clean. And then you'll take it out on me. You have your desires, and you're going to basically use me as the foil. You're going to use me as the person that's going to carry out your wishes, and then you'll punish me. 
So he said, nothing doing. Arak, he ran away for Ozal, and he went Gayer and Nero Caesar, the great Roman Caesar Nero, became a Goyger Tzedek. So the Nafak Mineir was made, and who comes from him? None other than the great Rabbi Meir. So what happens next? Shadre Ilovayu, we Asmasyanis Caesar. So the Romans send Asmasyanis Caesar. Now Nero's no longer around. Either Nero himself is uh, was originally going to attack them, or he had sent another general, but he, Nero had called them back. In any event, now they're sending Asmasyanis Caesar to go and destroy Yerushalayim. Now, also, Tsar Allah, he goes and sieges Yerushalayim for Tlos Shnei for three years. He's unsuccessful in breaking through, but he has him in the siege for three years. Hevu Ba Hanu Tloso Atire, Nachdimo Mengurion, Uben Kalbo Savua, Uben Sitzes There were three great people that were able to go and support the Jewish people even though they were under siege. These three great rich people were Nachdimo Mengurion, Ben Kalbo Savua, Ben Sitzes Akesis. The is going to tell us who they are right now. Nakdimo Ben Gurion, Shinokto Lochamo Bavuro. Hakoshbacho once made a nice, a famous story that we have in the Gemara in a couple of places, where Nakdimo Ben Gurion went and borrowed a tremendous amount of water from some Roman, and he promised to pay him back because he needed the water for the, all the Jewish people to go up for the Shlosh Golem, and there was no water available. So what happened? He said, if you don't go and uh, get all the water back for me by the end of the Yantif, so then I will go and pay you back. Instead of your wells filled with water, I'll fill them up with gold. No, it didn't rain, it didn't rain, it didn't rain. You can figure out that by the end of the Yantif, all the water in the wells was gone, and there wasn't a cloud of the sky, and this terrible Roman person says, aha, now you got to fill it up all with gold, and Naktimo said, I still got time, it's not nightfall yet, he goes into the base of Middash around Mincha time, and he dives to Akosh Baruch, he says, you know, I didn't do this for my own good, I did this for people who have water to go up to be Ola Regal, please make it rain, Akosh Baruch makes it plochen, it starts to rain, it fills up all the wells, but it looks like it's after the day is over. And therefore, this Roman said, listen, I know God did this for you, but the day is over, sorry, you didn't fill up the wells until the day was not yet done, and therefore you still owe me all the gold. However, Nachtimah goes back inside the Besamidah, she dives to Akosh Baruch Hu, says, Shalom, it's still daytime, Akosh Baruch Hu makes a nace, and the clouds part, and all of a sudden the sun is still out there, either the sun had never set, and the clouds had just covered up and made it look like a night, or Akosh Baruch Hu made a nace, and he brought the sun back out for this a person, Nachtimah ben Gurion, and this Roman said, I know, therefore, that you are really a righteous person, and that's that story why he's called Nachtimah, because he made the sun pierce through, the sky when it really either wasn't uh, daytime anymore or the clouds had covered up and made it look like night. So that's why it was called Nagdimon Ben Gurya, because Nokto Chama Bahura. Then we have Ben Kabasavu, this is the father in law of Rabbi Akiva, his wife, Rabbi Akiva's wife, Rachel's father. And we know we've heard stories about him already recently as well. He was such a generous person that anybody came into his house hungry as a dog, that his Badafka picked the dog because the dog is always hungry. The dog doesn't uh, have a lot of things to feed upon, so therefore the dog's always hungry. So if anybody came in hungry like a dog, he left, nevertheless left the house of Kabbalah fully satiated. He was perfectly filled up. That's how generous Kabbalah was. And finally, the third person, Ben Sitzakesis. So Rashi says his name was either something else that was known as Ben Sitzakesis because that his tzitzis uh, were uh, long and they were going to be on the ground, so he put out these pillows, these silken cushions or pillows, so that tzitzis would never touch the ground. So he was known as Bensitzis Akesis. Alternatively, Rashi says his name was Bensitzis, and he was known as Akesis because Ika Diyamri, back to the Gemara, Shaisa Kisto Mutelis being Doli Romi, because his pillow, so to say, his place where he would be, would be amongst the Senate, the Roman greats. 
because he was constantly going there to discuss things for the Jewish people on behalf of the Jewish people. So that's what he was known. His name was Ben Sitzis, and he was known as Hakasis, the guy that had his chair right next to the, the Caesar. In any event, these three people were fantabulously wealthy, and they were living in Yushalayim. And they each said, one of them said, we don't know which one said which, one of them said, I have enough food over here, I have enough food to keep us safe from the siege with wheat and with barley. Another one of them said, we don't know which one, one said to the rabbis, I got enough food, I have enough wine over here, enough salt and enough oil to go and supply all the people in Yushalayim that we can withstand the siege. And the third one said, I have lots of wood and we'll be able to cook and we'll be able to heat up things and not have any problems because I have enough wood to go and support everybody. By the way, it says the one who donated the wood was the best one of the three, they said, because the Reb Chista had said, and had given, he gave up all the keys to his uh, possessions to one of his servants, one of his attendants, except for the key that was for the wood storage area, because he said, if you have a certain storage area of wheat, you in one storage area of wheat, you're going to need 60 times that to go and bake all that wheat. So in other words, the wood was actually the most important one because you need so much wood, so he gave so much more than the others. In other words, in any event, they all were very, very generous people, and it, the Gemara tells us, they actually had enough uh, of all of their things that they each had supplied, each of them gave 21 years of supply. So the one who gave the wheat and the barley, the one who gave the wine, the salt, and the oil, the one who gave the wood, each of them gave 21 years worth of those possessions. So Kaiso could have stood this Roman siege for a period of time of 21 years. But some of the Romans would have gotten sick of this and again went away. Now, as I just said, there was enough there for 21 years to support them. However, there were these people over there. Rashi says these were baryonim. They were anosh rake of empty people. And they were very, very anxious to go and fight the Romans. Now, they weren't listening to the rabbis. The rabbis said, don't fight the Romans. We're not going to win. Nevertheless, these young people said, hey, we can take on the Romans. And they were, unfortunately, totally wrong. So what did these baryonim do? And the rabbi said to the baryonim, let us go. Let us go and make peace with the Romans. Because this way, at least, we won't be destroyed. The basic English will continue and everything will be okay as best as possible. But these baryonim said, nothing doing. Lo shavkinu. We're not letting you get out of here. We're sieged inside. We're not going to let anybody leave. We're going to withstand the siege. We're going to attack the Romans. So they wouldn't let the rabbis go and sue for peace with the Romans. Armulei, the baryonim said to the rabbis, let us go and fight. Nebuk v'nabit kurova badayu. Give us permission to go and fight against the Romans. We'll make a, a battle against them and we'll win. The rabbi said to them, you ain't going to be successful. You're not going to win. So don't do that. So what did the Baryonim do? Kamu, they got up. They burnt down. So they went down, they went down and they burned down all of the storehouses over here of the wheat and of the sari, the barley, and with some of they burned down as well, anything else that they needed to burn down, and now as a result, there was a famine. And now the Jewish people are stuck. Now, to show you how bad the famine was, so Martubas Baisos, this woman known as Martubas Baisos, we mentioned her elsewhere, her husband became the coin Godel, so she was very, very wealthy. She was, in fact, the wealthiest person in Yerushalayim, or at least the wealthiest woman in Yerushalayim. 
Mistaba, the three men that we mentioned were more wealthy than her. So in any event, she sent out her servant, and said to him, listen, go buy us some food. Go and get me smida. Smida is solace, which is the most fine flour. No, the servant went out. However, when he went out, all of it had been sold. He comes back and he tells her, also, I'm a lost, however, there is no the fine flour, but no, there's white flour. No, it's not as good, but we can go get the white flour. Okay, our relations is fine. Zil Isley, go and bring me back some of the white flour. Rashi says it wasn't necessarily flour, it was pasta kia, it had been baked already into bread, and go bring me that. In any event, she tells him to go and get that, and our relations, Zil Isley, fine, go, go bring it to me. Zil Isley. No, also by the time he goes, is that all the white flour, the white bread had been sold. So also Gushkara Ika. He says, okay, he comes back to me and says, listen, there's no more of this white flour, this white bread around, but at least there's still Gushkara. Rashi has a foreign language word for Gushkara, which means paskiber, which is like a coarse bread, which is like whole grain bread with all of the uh, solace as well as the bran and the coarse stuff all mixed together. Okay. Armelech says, go, Zilai says, go bring that to me at least. I'm hungry. At the Ozel, by the time he went to the market to go get that, it's not, and that also had been sold. And also, Armelech, he comes back to her and he tells her, Gushkuleka, this uh, coarse bread is not around, this whole wheat bread is not around. Kimcha de Sari Ika. However, there's still at least some barley flour that's like the lowest level of flour that's there. No, I could get that. Armelech says, fine, I'm starving. Zil Aisili, go and bring that. No, by the time he goes for that, as you can figure it out, at the Ozel is Dabit. He goes for that and it's also sold. There's nothing left. The markets are empty. Now, he comes back and tells her, and she says, I'm going to go out and see for myself what's out there. So Yomara tells us, have a shlipa misana. She goes out without shoes on. I'm not sure why she went out without shoes on. She was in such a hurry. She was so hungry. And anyway, she's not wearing shoes. Um, she says, I will myself go out and see. I'm starving. My servant wasn't able to find anything. No, maybe I, going out there, can find something. While she goes out there barefoot, she goes and steps in parta. Rashi tells us this is perish shogiloli behava. She steps into the excrement, the dung of an animal. Now she was a very, very fancy, rich lady, and this caused a tremendous discomfort. It gets on her foot. parta bikara. She steps into the into the dung with her foot, umesa, and she dies. Rashi says machmas istinisusa because she's such an istin and she's such a high standing lady that she never ever had come into contact with such dung, so this caused her to die. And Kari Allah, Rabbi Yochum Zaki, Rabbi Yochum Zaki said about her, Haraka Bukha, the famous passage that says, even the most istinous amongst you, the weakest amongst you, Vanuga, the ones that are most uh, uh, pampered, so Asherlo Nisisa Kafragla, they never had their foot touch the ground. This woman was such a high fancy society lady that she never did any of this type of work, and therefore when she got her foot into the dung, she was so repulsed by it, it was so revulsive to her that she ended up dying. That's the first version. Alternatively, Other version has it that she ate the grogros of Rabbi Tzadok. Grogros are the dried figs that Rabbi Tzadok had sucked out the juice from them and they were dried up figs. And because, again, she was such an istinist that she died when she ate that. Now, what's this story about the dried figs of Rabbi Tzadok? So where it tells us. Rabbi Tzadik was a great Gadol Adar, so a fantastically great person, and he saw the end was coming, 40 years before the end of the Churban Mesa Mikdash, so he saw it was coming, and Yosef, our boy in Shtin, Betanisa, he fasted for 40 years in order to try to prevent this 
terrible destruction from occurring. The low lechor Yushlaim, that Yushlaim should be destroyed, they said it should be destroyed. When he did break his fast every day, he had to eat something. So when he would break his fast, his stomach had shrunk so much, you could see whatever he ate from the outside, it was so thin, it was so emaciated, you could almost see like the food going down his throat. The Chiyabi Barbie, when he would go and eat something after the fast, so he couldn't eat normally. So my silly growers, they brought, him, they brought him these dried figs, and he couldn't even eat them. My it's Mayu, he would go suck out the juices, whatever was left in these dried figs, and then he would throw them away because he couldn't even eat them, so he threw them away. Nobody else would eat them, obviously. And those are the figs that Marsa Basbaisus had found and eaten, and it disgusted her so much that she died. Okay. In any event, as Marsa Basbaisus is dying, as she is dying, she goes and takes out the whole dab of the chasma, all of her gold and silver, and she throws it on the street. She throws it into the street, into the market, and she says, I don't need this. What is this good for? It does nothing for me. And this is, unfortunately, the fulfillment of the Nevua from the Pasuk, behind the as the Pasi Nechesel tells us, Kaspa Machutso Sheshlicha, throw away the money because they're going to have no need for it because Nebuch, they're going to be so destitute that the money won't help them, they're going to be so impoverished that the, the, there's no food around, there'll be such a famine that money won't help them. Now, back to the story with the Baryonim. So they burned down everything, and now what's going to be? Everybody's starving. It's terrible inside. So Abasikra, who was the head of the Baryonim, Abasikra Reish Baryone Yerushalayim, he was the leader of these militants, these young people who were raking, and he was in charge of them, but he was also Bar Achse. He was the nephew through the sister of Rav Yochim and Zakei Hava. So Rav Yochim and Zakei's sister was his mother. So Rav Yochim and Zakei knew him, and he shalachly sends to him and tells him, come to me in private. Don't let anybody know you're coming. Obviously, if there was collusion between them, he would be in a lot of trouble. So therefore, Amalei, Rav Yochim and Zakei tells his nephew when he gets there, how much longer are you going to do what you're doing? The Jewish people are dying of famine, and you're never going to be successful against the Romans. Let's sue for peace. So, everybody's dying over here from outright no food, from starvation. So, how much more are you going to keep it up? So, I'm going to say, so, says to him, I don't have a choice. I have no choice in this matter anymore. I can't do anything about it. Things have gone so far that if I were to tell the Baryonim, let's give up, let's go and surrender, they're going to kill me. So, I can't help you. So, I'm going to say, yes, you can. At least find for me a way that I can get out of the city. Once I get out of the city, because the Baryonim wouldn't let anybody out of the city, I'll go talk to the Romans and I'll make everything okay, or as best as possible. That's all a porta, as we'll see, at least a little bit of a salvation. No, after the Havali, it's all a porta. As he says, maybe I'll be able to at least save something. The basic means you're going to be destroyed. Uh, we're going to go into Golos, but at least I'll be able to go and save something. Fine. Amalia Abiziku tells him, Nekot Nafshoch Bikitsire. I have a good idea. Go and dress yourself up as if you're sick. In other words, hold out to everybody that you're not feeling well and that you're sick. And therefore, everybody will understand when you ultimately fake your death that, yes, you were sick. And therefore, it will look like it's uh, just a, a fulfillment of the natural events that the great Rebbe um, is, in fact, sick and dying. No, everybody's going to ask how the God of is doing. Everybody's going to come and ask how you're doing. And they'll tell them that you're not doing well. Meanwhile, as well, people come and visit you. The icy midday sarya, go bring something that has a very bad odor to it. The agne gabach, and put it next to you. And as a result, people are going to smell the the smell of death, so to say, and they're going to realize that you, in fact, 
or on your deathbed, and then ultimately that you have died. As Rashi says, Vagani Gabach, Vashkei lie down in your bed with you. Shiyomru Mesu Umasriach Kfar. And the, the smell is from your decaying body. And therefore, you have to be buried. Now, they weren't allowed to bury in Yushalayim. So for this was somehow they had an arrangement they would be allowed to go outside. Either they snuck outside with the permission of the Baryonim or the Romans would let them go and bury. Whatever it was, this way he would be able to leave the city. So tell everybody, people will know now that you're dead, and make sure that only your Talmidim carry you. We'll see where Yeshua, Rabbi Lazio Talmidim will carry you out because don't let anybody else carry your beer, B-I-E-R, because in that situation they'll realize that you're not dead because there's something called dead weight. A dead person seems to weigh more than a live person because a live person moves about and shifts around so it doesn't seem as heavy. Because everybody knows that a live person seems to weigh less than a dead person. If your body doesn't feel so heavy, they're going to suspect something. So they follow this plan from Abbasikra of Hachi. Rehoboth did exactly as Abbasikra suggested. And they fake his death. And Rabbi Lezer and Yeshua, his two great Talmidim, go and carry him out. And when they get to the guards that they want to go and bury him outside Yishalayim, when they get to the gate to go outside, so the guards want to go and check to see if he's really dead. So what does it mean, so Rashi says, they wanted to check him out by sticking a spear into him, they would stick a sword into him, because they suspected something may be up over here. So they wanted to go and pierce him, then he really would be dead. So Abbasikra is there, and he saves the day. Amalu, Abbasikra tells the guards, listen, Yomru, Rabban, Dokru, they're going to take him outside, all pierced, they're going to say, hey, listen, this guy didn't die a natural death, they killed their own rabbi, that'd be Chil Hashem. Now, these Baryonim were concerned about a Chil Hashem. Bolu, Mitchum, he says, let's at least bang him up a little bit to see if he would cry, uh, if he would yell out. So let's go and do that at least. So uh, Rashi says, well, like Yitzhak, maybe he'll go and cry out. Some look again, Abbasikra saves the day, and he says, Yomru Rabban Dachafu, either they were watching and they would see them uh, hitting the coffin or hitting the dead body, or what was appeared to them to be the dead body. So again, Abhilashem. So they finally let him out. Abbasikra convinced them to let him out without doing anything to it. Pasulay Baba and Nafat. So they opened up the gate and they let him out. He gets out. Once they look like they're gone, so he goes, Yokozaki goes, and he runs to the Roman camp. And he goes to the, the general. When he gets over there, Omar, he goes to the, the Vespasian, the Aspasianus, who was the leader of the camp, and he says, Omar, he says to him, Shlomo Aloch Malka, Shlomo Aloch Malka. You repeat things twice to show uh, it's very important. So he said, Peace be unto you, O great king. Peace be unto you, O great king. Now, Aspasianus is intrigued by this, and he says, Amalek, Michaimis Treik Tola. You would be chayv misa twice for saying this to me. Number one, chodod la malkana, because I'm not really the king. The kokoros la malkana, you call me the king, that's treason essentially, and therefore you chayv misa. And number two, the su, i malkana, if I in fact am the king, so what took you so long to come in? Ad idna, until now, am I lo osis la Why did you come before him? If you recognize that I'm the king, so you should come sooner. So I'm like, Riochavazaki tells Asusianus, and he says, the Ka'amis la Malkana, that which you say that you're not the king, isn't true. As we turn to Nunvobo Mibbez, because Ivra, it's absolutely true. Ivra means it's true. In fact, Malka'at is why she says, Melechato Osilios, you are about to be crowned the king. You don't know it yet, but you're about to be crowned the king. 
because Dila Malka, and I know that this is a, for a fact going to be true, because if you weren't the king, there's no way that Yerushalayim would be handed over to you. Lo Yerushalayim We're obviously losing the battle over here, and you can only win if you're the king, because the Pasuk tells us, Yerushiv, the Pasuk of Yeshaya, Baalavonon, Lavonon Rashi tells us, it's the name of Yerushalayim, it's the base of Mikdash, Shemal bin Avonasim Shal Yisrael. It's called Lavonon, the things that whitens the Jewish people's sins by bringing korbanos. But Adir Yipol will only fall in the hands of a king. Now, ain Adir El Melech, and Adir is a king. It means the strong one. And we know this because they say, Vaya Adiro Mino Vagomer, because the Pasuk tells us in Yirmiyahu, it says, Vaya Adiro Mino Vagomer. And the one who is the strongest amongst them, he should be the one that will conquer you. They live on El Besamidosh. The Levanon is a reference to the Besamidosh. Shinemar, as the Pasuk tells us, that Hahar Hatov Hazet, the Halavanon. So the Pasuk in Chumash tells us that the, the area of the Beis HaMikdosh is referred to as the Levanon, which is the Beis HaMikdosh. So therefore, the only way will be destroyed is by a king. And therefore, you must be the king since you're about to destroy Yerushalayim and the Beis HaMikdosh. So Rabbi Yochum Mazaki continues and he tells him, And your second question, that if I really was the king, why didn't you come sooner? So I wasn't able to. Baryone, these young militants, the Izban that are amongst us, Lo Shavkino, they didn't let me come out and sue for peace and try to uh, make a pshara over here with you to compromise with you that you don't destroy Yerushalayim. So Amalei, so Asasiana says to Yochum Mazakai, let me ask you, Ilu if you had a barrel of honey, Vidarkon, a snake, Karuchalel, was wrapped around it, what would you do? The snake is going to kill people. So what would you do? You'd sacrifice the barrel and you'd go and kill the snake. Wouldn't you go and break the, the uh, honey barrel over here so the snake will run away? So that's what you should have done as well. You should have knocked down the walls of the city so we could come in and make the snake go away. We would have taken care of the Bar-Yonim. Rabbi Yochum Zakeh did not have an answer to that. Ishtik, he was silent. And because he didn't answer, Koriyalei Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Akiva, either Rabbi Yosef or Rabbi Akiva said about this, this is a fulfillment of the apostle from Yeshai where it says, Meishiv Chachamim Ochar, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sometimes lets even the wisest of people, like Rabbi Yochum and Zakkai, have, unfortunately, not have smart thoughts, make their thoughts, Yisakel, to be foolish. Because he had a good answer. He should have said to Asasianus, he should have told him, so the rap way to get rid of the snake in that situation is to go take a pair of tongs, and pick up the darko with the tongs, and go and kill it, and this way, and you still have the barrel. So what we should have done, and that's what we were waiting for, was an opportunity to go and kill the Baryonim, and then we would go and still save the city. That's what he should have answered, but he didn't. Hashem made him not have a good answer. In any event, while Asmasianus and Rehokim Zaki are talking, along comes a messenger from Rome. Adahachi osi peristika alemi romi. Suddenly, a messenger comes from Rome, from the Senate, and tells them, Amalei, come, stand up. The Misle Kesa, because the Caesar has died, Amre Hanu Chashivi, the Romi in the Senate, the leaders of Rome said, that you should be the new Caesar. Maran Abadazar tells us that they used to appoint the Caesars with the Senate. They wasn't automatically handed down from father to son. They would go and appoint them. In any event, that's what happened over here. Asfasanis, you've been named the new Caesar. No, when he hears this news, he was happening in the middle of getting dressed. He had one shoe on, he was about to put the other shoe on. Habesayim Chadisani, he had one shoe on. He was about to put on the second shoe. It didn't fit anymore. His leg had swollen, and he couldn't get the second shoe on. Okay, I'll take off the other shoe. I'll put on a different pair of shoes, or I walk barefoot. 
Lo Nafak. He wasn't able to take off the pair that was already on. So he didn't understand what's going on. So he says to Rabbi Yochum Zaka, what's going on over here? Oh my, my high. What is, what's happening with me? So I'm like, Rabbi Yochum tells him, don't worry. Lo Titzdar. Don't be upset about this. Shmua Tova as And you had good news over here, and therefore your body swelled up. The Chsiv is based upon the Pasuk that we have in Mishlei, that it tells us, Shmua Tova Tadshen Otsem. If you have good news, it will it will make your bones swell. No. So Aspizana says, no, how can I handle this? Elamaitakante, how do I go and fix this? So Yochim Zaki tells him, Lacey Inish, go bring in front of you a person, the low that you don't like so much, that you're not pleased when you see him, the lachliv kabach, and let him pass in front of you, and that will make you upset, and that will make your swelling go down. As the Apostle later in Mishlei tells us, the Ruach Necheya. When you have a bad spirit come upon you, it will cause your bones to dry up. In other words, the swelling will go down. And that's exactly what Aspasanis did. A person came in front of him who he didn't like. His swelling went down. He was able to go and take off his other shoe or Mustafa to put on the first shoe. In any event, he's very impressed with You're obviously a very, very smart person. Why didn't you come sooner? Why didn't you come sooner? So I'm late. He tells me, I already told you that. I told you that the Baryonim didn't let me. So I'm late. And Asazana says back to him, No, I also told you, you should have done what I said with the snake. You should have gone and broken the city walls down so we could kill the snake. So I'm late. In any event, Asazana tells him, Mezal, Azilna, I have to go now back to Rome, and I'm going to go send another person, a new general, to take my place. No, before I go, I want to thank you for your good tidings. And Ask for me something, and I'll give it to you. Now, Omelet, Riochim Zaki, tells him three things. The famous statement, he says, Let Yavne, the city Yavne, and all the Chacham who lived in, the Sanhedrin was located over there, save them. Don't attack that town. Let them live. Furthermore, and let the lineage of Rabban Gamliel, the family of Rabban Gamliel, continue. In other words, don't wipe them out. He was the Nazi, so you might have thought that they would wipe him out. He says, please don't wipe out the lineage of Rabban Gamliel, who came straight from David Melech, And therefore, the Malchus of Beis David would still continue. And the third thing he asked was for the doctor. The Asvasa, the Messiah in Leh, the Rabbi Tzadok. Give us a doctor that will know how to cure Tzadok. The great Tzadok, who was so emaciated from the 40 years of fasting, give us a doctor that can cure him. See, these are the three things that Yochum Zaka asked for. Notice he didn't say, please save Yerushalayim. So again, either Yosef or Rabbi Kiva said the same possibility we had before. Sometimes takes away the wisdom from the very small people and makes them foolish. Because you know what he should have said? He should have pleaded for Yerushalayim in the base of Migdash. Please give us one more chance. Don't destroy Yerushalayim now. Give us one more chance. That's what he should have said. In fact, I believe the Yerushalmi says that he actually answered that, and Asasana said no. Over here in the Babli, Rashi says that he was afraid to answer that because he said, maybe he's going to say no, and then he won't give me the other three things. Let me at least get the Hatzola Purta that he mentioned before, so he'll save at least the lineage of Chais or the Sanhedrin and Malchus Beis David, which will get them through history and go on further, even if the Beis Hamidu Shnebuch is destroyed. Now, that's what the Gemara says. Who saw Hatzola Purta, not So, uh, the Gemara tells us, and that's exactly what he thought, as I mentioned, that if he had asked for everything, he'd get nothing. So therefore he said, I'll ask for just that solo port, these three little things, maybe Asasvanus will give me that, even though he won't give me the saving of Yerushalayim. No, 
he didn't in fact get Yavna, he didn't in fact get the lineage of Rav Gamliel to not be erased, and in fact, he also got the doctor to go and treat Rabbi Tzadok. So, what did the doctor do? Asvaso, the Messiah in Leila Rabbi Tzadok, Mahi, what was the doctor's cure for Rabbi Tzadok? So, Nebuch, we saw this in the Holocaust, we have people that were emaciated. You see people in this situation, if you feed them, so they're going to run into trouble. You have to go very, very slowly, very gradually up their caloric intake, and this way their stomach can tolerate the feedings. So Yom HaKamah, on the first day, the doctor fed him Ashkuya Maya Depari. He gave him this Maya Depari. What is Maya Depari? So Rashi says, Mayim Shinishoru Behen Subit. This was water that had been soaked in a little bit of bran, so it had a little bit of nutrition inside of it. The water he was able to tolerate, and with a little bit of nutrition, he got a little bit stronger. So the first day, they gave him this Maya Depari. The next day they gave him Mayim Sipuka. Rashi says, Subin Gatsa, this was a little bit more nutritious, it had bigger bran inside of it, and a little bit of flour, but Kemach So a little bit more nutritious. They upped the caloric content, and they kept on doing this. The next day they gave him water that had flour in it. Again, more nutrition, more nu- nu- nutritional value, more caloric content, until his stomach widened, purta a little bit, purta a little bit. So his stomach got bigger and bigger, he's able to go and tolerate the food until they able to save his life. Now, what happened? Meanwhile, Azal Shadril Titus, so Asasianus has made the new Caesar, and he sends as his general Titus, Titus Yerusha, Titus. So he sends Titus to go and wage war against Yerushalayim. Now, the Pasuk says, So, the Pasuk that says, the people will ask, where is your God? Where is this uh, strong God, that sword, this rock that you have been relying upon? Who is the one that said this? This passage that's from Chumish, so that Titus or Russia. It's referring to what Titus would say. Shecherev, the Gidev, Klapimala, the Hidev, all sorts of terrible things. He said all sorts of terrible things about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He blasphemed against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he was Mechayev, the shame of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What did he do? Me'asa. So he went and he grabbed, when he destroyed Yerushalayim and, and, and started to burn down the base of Migdosh, Tofas Zona Biodo. He grabbed the Zona to do a horrible aver inside the Lufnai, the Lufnim on a Sefer Torah, as we'll see in a second. The Ben Yodo points out that even the Zona didn't want to do this. He had to grab the Zona. Tofas Zona Biodo. Because even the Zona realizes a horrible thing that you're doing. And Nikhla said, Kodesh Kodashim. He goes inside Lufnai, the Lufnim into the Kodesh Kodashim. Vitsia Sefer Torah. Nebuch, Rechmona, the son, so hard to say this. He spread out a Sefer Torah there and Ova Alea Avera. And he never committed a horrible Avera with the Zona over there inside the Holy of Holies on a Sefer Torah. He had Znus with this Zona. In Natal Sayyid, then he took a sword, the Gideras Aparochas, and he stabbed the Parochas. And Akush Mokhu made an ace, the Nas an ace. And Vohyodam, the Vatsvets Yosef, the blood spilled out of the pierced Parochas, of the curtain. The parochas that was there, blood seemed to come out from there. Tosa says, Who did this to show how Kaviyachal was difficult for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to tolerate this? We'll see later on. The Gemara says that how strong HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that he did tolerate this because it's very easy to fight back. It's much harder to not fight back. And that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted at this point in time that they should destroy the base of Migdor. So that's his Gevura of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he made the parochas bleed. And this Rasha Tita says, he thought, Harag as Atzmo, he thought he killed himself. Now, this is a euphemism. He thought he killed HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He even say such a thing. So he thought that's what he did. Shinemai, as the Pasuk says, this is a Pasuk we have in Taylor. That your enemies of you, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, cried out in the Moed, which means the meeting place. In other words, the base of Migdash, and they placed their oso over there, some oso some 
Osos. They made this os as if they killed you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Abachanan Omer, Abachanan said, Micha Mocha Chasin Ko. So this is a possible also until it says, who is as strong as you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that you're able to not go and kill Titus on the spot. Right? If somebody insulted us, we would want to fight back right away. It takes a tremendous amount of restraint, a tremendous amount of strength. Somebody who is Kovish is Yetzer. So you are Kodesh Baruch Hu are unbelievably strong that you are Kovish Yetzer. You heard all the horrible things that this Russia said, and yet you were silent. That takes tremendous Gevura. Similarly, the Bebe Rishmal taught it, and the base manager of Rishmal, they learned the Pasuk that says, Micha Mocha Ba'elim Hashem, from Oz Yashir. So the word Ba'elim is spelled without a Yud. It should have a Yud in there. So it's spelled without the Yud. And this is a play on the word, who is like you amongst the silent. In other words, you stood silently while he said all this ter- terrible gidot, this blasphemy, and yet you took it silently. No, what happened next? So what does Titus do? He takes, not tell us a parochas, he grabs the parochas, he makes it into a big like uh, uh, sack to go and carry everything. Gargusli is like a big sack that the wine merchants used to make, so he makes the parochas into a big sack to go take all the precious things from the base of Migdash. And he puts all the precious utensils from the base of Migdash, the kalim from the base of Migdash, inside the uh, parochas. Boshivan Bisvino, and he goes and puts him in a boat, Lelech Lishtabeach Biro, and to go and be praised that he's the great conquering general who brought back all the booty from Yerushalayim. As the Pasuk says, Shinamar, this is a Pasuk that we have in Kohelas, where it tells us, Uvachain, Raisi Rishoyim Kivurim Vavau. I saw these Rishoyim who are buried. We'll see in a moment what that means. That come, Umimakum Kadosh Alechu, and they're coming from a holy place. But they'll eventually be forgotten from the city that they never destroyed from Yerushalayim. That's what Kohelis is telling us. But now we're going to play on those words. Don't read the word kivurim buried. Gathered. Don't read as they were forgotten, but reason as they were praised. In other words, this passage is, is referring to what Titus did when he came back from Yishalayim with this sack full of all of the precious utensils, the kalim from the base of Migdash, Nebuch, Rechmon, and Alternatively, Ika, the Amrei, Kavur means Kavur Mamish. It means things that were buried. But what is it referring to? Da'afilu mili dimitmaron egayilahon. Even things that were buried. In other words, the treasures that were beneath the base of Migdash, they revealed to him and he brought them back to Rome. Mark says, He's on the boat, and all of a sudden, a tsunami comes and is about to sink the boat. So, Amar, so Titus Arasha says, It appears to me that their God, He only has strength in the water, he has no strength in the land. Bob Pyro, he was able to destroy Pyro, he drowned all the Mitzrayim in the Yam. Likewise, Bob Sisro, since Sisro attacked Israel, he also drowned them in Nachal Kishon, So he killed them with water. So he has no power except in water. Afu, now he couldn't defeat me in Yerushalayim, now I'm in the water, so Afu made a lie to he's going to kill me in the water. So, in Gibaru, so Titus calls out to Gashmach, if you're really strong, let me reach the dry land, make a fight with me over there and see if you can defeat me. So Gashmach laughs at him. So Basco comes out for Shemayim and says to Titus of Russia, Russia, Ben Russia, Ben Benoshel, Esau of Russia, you are a descendant of all these Rishon. Your father's a Russia, you're a descendant of Esau of Russia. Birya Kala, Yeshli Biolami, Vitushma. I have a small little creature known as the Yitush that I created. Let's see you go and fight him. You want to fight me? 
Fight my smallest little creature. Now, Amai Kor Leibir Yekala, why was it called the little creature? Because the Ma'alna Isla, Umafkana Lesla, it has a mouth to take in food, but it doesn't have an anal canal, it doesn't have an exit for the food to go out of the body. The stomach went out the mouth, it comes in the mouth, comes out the mouth. In any event, that's a very small little creature. No, HaKadosh Baruch says, I will let you come up to the land. Go up out of your boat, reach Rome, go to your dry land. See if you can even fight my littlest creature, never mind fight me. So Titus gets off the boat when they reach Rome, all the and this little Yitush comes, this little gnat comes, boy Yitush, enters into his nose, and goes and burrows into his head, goes through his nose, doesn't make him into a trefa, and therefore he's able to live for seven years because he goes through the membranes in the top of the nose, which go right up into the brain, and he's eating away his brain for seven years, this little Yitush. Yom Echad is causing him tremendous pain. Yom Echad, one day while Titus is walking by a blacksmith, he's walking by the entrance to the door of a blacksmith, and Shoma called, and he hears the call of the hammer banging on the anvil, and Ishtik, all of a sudden this Yitush, which has been driving him crazy, stops driving him crazy for a moment. Oh, Tito says, oh my, Iko Takanta, I finally found the cure. I'm able to go and have a blacksmith come and bang on a hammer on the anvil, and that will stop this Yiddish from driving me nuts. Koyoma, so every day he hired somebody, Maisu Navcha, he hired a blacksmith, Umochu Kameh, to bang the hammer on the anvil in Titus' presence, and this way the Yiddish would stop annoying in his brain. So, Anochri, they would come, he would hire a Gaisha blacksmith, Yogle Arba Zuzi, we give him four Zuz. Yisrael, if a Yid were to be the blacksmith, Omalei, I'm not paying you anything. Mistaya, it's, it's enough to kohazis besanach. It's enough that you should see me in this terrible condition. That's your payment. No, for 30 days it's work. At plus, in Yomun, Ovid Hachi. This work for 30 days. However, the Yitush got used to it. Mikam Eilach, Kivan the Dosh, Dosh, the Yitush no longer was bothered by the sounds of this hammer banging on the on the anvil. As Rashi says, Mishihir Gala Yitush, she got used to it. The Lama, the Kola Karnas, Hikirbo, below Hiniach, Nikura. He wasn't disturbed by it and he kept annoying at the brain of uh, Titus of Russia. Tanya, you learn the Baisa Amr Pichus Benaruva. Pichus Benaruva is not a very well known Tana, but he said, I was amongst the Romans at the time of Titus' death. Ukshemes, when he died, they did an autopsy. They opened up his brain, and they found inside his brain, this Yiddish had grown to the size of like a wild bird. Mishkal Shnei Slam, that weighed too slow, a certain amount of weight. In the Brisa, they learned a little bit differently. But this Tana Kigozo was like a pigeon. Ben Shana, one-year-old pigeon. Mishkal Shnei Litrin, the weight of two Litrin. That's how big this gnat had grown. This Yitush had grown inside his brain. Amar Bayabai said, and in addition, Naktina, we have a Mesorah that Piv Shel Nechoshes, that the mouth of this gnat was made out of copper. But see, Barnab and its nails, Shel Barza, were made out of iron. In other words, there were mice and in here through and through. In any event, when Titus was about to die, Amalu said to everybody around him, go and cremate me, and go and take my ashes after you cremate me and spread them out over the seven seas, so that the Jewish God shouldn't find me and be able to judge me. Now, as an aside over here to this, Unclus Bar Clonikos. This is the famous Unclus of Targum Unclus. He was the son of Clonikos, who was Bar Achse de Titus, who was the Clonikos, was the brother in law of Titus. Clonikos had married Titus's sister, and they had a son. Clonikos and Titus's sister had a son, Unclus, the famous Targum Unclus, Unclus. And he was the nephew of Titus of Russia. 
Now, he wanted to become, as Gmar Navarra tells us, he in fact did become a Ger Tzedek, and he became Unculus, the great Unculus. So he asked his uncle, Titus, what should I do? Should I become a Yid? I want to go and convert. Is it a good idea? So Titus is already dead. So he raised Titus through black magic. Megiddo Rashi tells us is through necromancy, through this black magic. And this is the, the old type of divination, Rashi tells us. And Amalei, so Titus asks him, in the world that you're in, who is considered important? So Amalei, so Titus tells him that in this world, Yisrael, the Jews are important. No, he asked him, should I go and become a Jew? Amalei, Titus says, no way. They have many, many rules, many, many dinim, and you'll never be able to keep them all. Better for you, Zil Igoribu, go and attack the Jewish people in that world, and at least you'll be a king over there. As we pointed out, you need a king to destroy the Jewish people. That is why shall be a big, important person in that world because you're never going to be able to become Jewish because there's too many rules. As we point out from Eicha, that whoever fights the Jewish people will be a Rosh. Fine. So Uncle tells him, No, what are you doing now? How are you being judged in the next world? So Amalek, Jesus answers him, and Titus answers him as we turn to Nunzayin with Aleph. He said, That which exactly which I said, that I should be burned, and my ashes spread out over the seven seas, that's exactly what they're doing to me. I thought I could escape a Kosh judgment. That's exactly what they're doing to me. Call Yoma every day, they go and collect my ashes, and they judge me, and then they burn me again. And then they burn me again, and they uh, send my ashes all over the seven seas. The next day, they do the same thing over and over again. No, while Uncleus is going to bring up people through black magic, through the old magic, also Askele Bilam Benigida. So he goes and brings up Bilam through this black magic. Amalei, yes, Bilam. Man who's important in that world? Amalei, so Bilam tells him, he saw, of course, the Jews are. Malu Bukibu, so Uncleus says, we should become a Yid. Amalei says, Lo Sidro Shlomam, don't have anything to do with them, neither good or bad. Lo Sidro Shlomam, Vitovasam, call him in. Better not to have anything to do with them. Amalei, Uncleus says to Bilam, no, what's your judgment? Dine Dao Gabrimai, how are you being judged? Amalei, Bishikha Zeru Sachas, I'm being judged every day in boiling Zera, in boiling semen. And the bottom, it tells us he had a tremendous love for women. Chomer, Ahavas Nashla, he was a very immoral person. Yosemite died much more than is appropriate, and therefore that's why the Zera, so to say, destroyed his body. And that's why Kaviyachl, he's being burned every day in Shekho Zero Sachas. Then Uncleus goes, Azal Aske Benigida, he goes to bring us to this black magic of the old, the Posh Yisrael. Now this sounds like it's referring to a specific person, and in the sense of Gemaras, it was taken out. But and if you look in the Chisron Sashas, it tells us he brought up Yeshu HaNotzri. He rings up Yoshka. Azal Aske Benigida, Leposh Yisrael. Yeshu HaNotzri. He goes and brings him up. And I'm like, yes, who do you think is important in that world? I'm like, of course, the Yidin, Yisrael. Maulud Bukibu, should I go and join them? Should I become a Ger? I'm like, so Yeshu HaNotzri tells Uncle is, Drosh, Drosh. Yes, go and be with them for anything you can do them good. Don't do anything bad to them because anybody that goes and attacks the Jewish people, it's like poking himself in the eye. What are you being judged in that world? So Amalei tells him, I'm being judged in boiling excrement every day. In the bottom of the Gemara, it tells us, He's never going to be able to clean himself from what he did. He's never going to be able to come tar. He'll be there forever in that situation.
And this Tzohar Ruchzachas is the perfect punishment for the Amamar, whoever makes one of the Chachamim, the Edom Tzohar Ruchzachas, will be judged with this burning hot excrement. More conclusion says, look at the difference, look at the difference between Yeshu and Notri, the Vi Umas Olam of the Abodazar, and Bilam, who is a Russia. Tanya, the price it says, Amr Bilozo, it says, Borei Kamo Gidolo, Kokhashu Busha, look at the, how bad Busha can be. That caused the whole thing for Kamsa by Kamsa, Risiya, Kodesh Bachu, as by Kamsa. Kodesh Bachu helped by Kamsa to do this entire episode that led to the destruction of the base. I make this a very long shear, but an unbelievable, powerful shear. And we should be Zoha to learn from it, and this year have Tishabab be a Moe. Have a wonderful day.